Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show that goes over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I'm your co-host, Zach Shevich, and joining me, he comes from a zone of trust and caring. It's Arturo Zurita. Usually I know what you're talking about. I don't know what, what reference that one is in, but I do. square. I, from what? The square. Boy, do you, oh, no, 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 no. We'll get to the square. I was hoping I'd get you riled up. I was hoping to No, see, the idea is I've been trying to forget the square, all right? (laughs) And anytime I see a square, I've been getting ticked off. No, I come from a place that's super cold. That's why I'm wearing this green right here. Maybe a little tinted green. Got that basic green, actually. But, you know, I'm just trying to keep warm because in Chicago, we got our first snowfall. It went away. (laughs) I'm complaining like I'm in Michigan or something. (laughs) Wisconsin's like they're already skiing to work, but no, right. it, it's still getting a little cold. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to complain about that. We are, we're snow free here in the uh, New Jersey, New York area. And you better stay snow free till December. I swear. I don't want to <laughs> go. I don't want to go in the summer and it be freezing. I actually I do want it to snow because I want to go to the it's, Rockefeller thing with a little bit of snow, but I don't want it to yeah. be freezing cold. Yeah, it's pretty down here. Uh, with a little bit of snow covering. So we'll get into a plenty of non-snow discussions on this week's episode. The big 1-0 intercut number 10. Yes. We've lasted 10 episodes. We I think it. that's sort of an achievement. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully you'll stick with us as we continue this podcast and keep talking every week about the latest in movies and entertainment. We want to talk a lot about what's going on with the Disney Corporation this week. And we have uh, a lot of news about the continuing fallout from the Kevin Spacey allegations, as well as develops in the developments in the Star Wars universe. But first, we start the way we start every week on the show. Art, what have you been watching? We starting good or we starting bad? You Let's let start me good. Know. Okay, so just Let's start smooth. good. Let's get the lotion ready. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw Lady Bird. I, I don't, you said you didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, uh, it it was sold out, the screening that I wanted to go to, which, you know, good for Lady Bird, bad for Zach. Yeah, um, what was, uh, what, New York, New Jersey, around that area, around Hipsterville? Yeah, Brooklyn. Well, this movie definitely is that, because it's directed by uh, Greta Gerwig, so it's definitely in that demographic. I have been, I'm not going to say super vocal, but I've never been the biggest Greta Gerwig fan. Uh, Francis Ha is, to me, the epitome of hipsterness. Uh, <laughs> Mistress America, I never saw that. I just could not get past the trailer. Like, that is a movie that the trailer itself ends on one of the worst jokes I've ever heard. Just not my stuff, right? Yeah. But I do think she's talented. You know, and right when I'm like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her a chance, I see this little movie that came out last year called 20th Century Woman. And the one thing that destroyed it, fine movie, but the one thing that destroyed that movie for me was her role in this film. And you know exactly what I'm talking about when we Which get granted, to a I dinner scene. I liked her scene. role, but go ahead. Oh, my goodness. There, that is just the epitome of what we're talking about, of someone just imposing their ideals on you when it makes absolutely no sense and it's just disgusting. But I'm like, whatever. You know what? She's got her demographic, yada, yada, yada. So I go into Lady Bridges going like, I'm going in there for my girl who throughout the entire year is missing until it's award season. Then Saoirse decides, yeah, now it's time for me to come out, like the freaking Babadook or something. Let so, me get that Best Actress nomination. So, and, and she's going to get one, because I go in there, uh, yo, she's playing, like, young adults already. Flawlessly becomes a teenager in this one. I go into this movie thinking, like, uh, it's going to be fine. The trailer didn't look that bad. I'm not the biggest fan. I loved it. Awesome. I loved it. It was... A love letter, a personal love letter from Greta Gerwig. This being her directorial debut. She's not in the movie. It's her de- unless she was like a cameo or something. But this is her first uh, uh, feature directing job. 
She wrote it as well. And it's mm-hmm. very much... I don't know that much about her, like, background story, but I'm pretty sure she was raised in California, ended up in New York, has a whole scenario with her mom. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it takes place, I believe, in Sacramento in 2002, yes. 2003. Yeah, I'm and, doing the math uh, in my head. Yeah, it, like, like, a quarter way it hit me, I'm like, oh, I get what, I get what this is. Okay. And that's the yeah, best part about it. Because yeah, it definitely seems like a very personal story to her uh, from what I've been reading yeah, about the film. And uh, it's funny. It's got my boy Timothy. Uh, I just call him. Yeah, I call him Charlemagne because he's the <laughs> real god in here. And this dude, I loved him in Call Me by Your Name. Have you seen Call Me by Your Name yet? Not yet. I'm soon. Soon. You're in for a treat. In Call Me by Your Name, he's fantastic. I've seen him in a couple other stuff. He's fantastic. In this movie, he's just cool. Not over the top, but he's just like mm-hmm. every time I've heard, I got that little man crush on him every time. Oh, go for him. Um, <laughs> just following her growing up. Following the, the, I'm trying to think of what character she's very similar to, but she's very, like, uh, very loud, very uh, manic all the time. Gosh, mom, you just don't understand what I'm saying, but it's not to the point where it becomes, like, a, a sweet 16 type of teenager. But it's more of a, like, oh, I don't understand what I'm doing here. Like, I have so much more potential. She's, like, so out there. But the whole thing, all the way from the beginning to the end, you realize what it is. It's it's Greta Gerwig's love letter to her mom. Hmm. And that, to me, just, like, encompasses that there's a specific scene that deals with yellow notepad paper. And when that comes into play, no way you connect it, no spoiler. But when you see it, just remember that that's the part that it's sort of like, you know, you can't complain about a movie when it makes you go, because. Get that lump in your throat. Yeah, because we're talking about just fake images on screen. If that can make you go, then the movie did something to you, and I I really liked it. I I highly recommend it. Um, I've seen some people comparing season, it to yeah. to the Edge of Seventeen uh, as just another of the teen comedy with a quirky, uh, yeah. plucky central central. That's who I would uh, compare it. Protagonist. It, yeah, where would you say it's the same? Different? No, better. So it's interesting because that's what I'm talking about. It's just like her character in Edge of Seventeen who is funny, but she's obnoxious. She is mm-hmm. the same thing here. And I think the main difference, because I can't really argue why one is better than the other in terms of the script. So I'm going to have to default to the acting. That's the difference when you bring in Saoirse versus, and I, and I, I don't mind her. Um, what's her Haley name? Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, that's the difference between the two. It's just what she adds to it. I, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, I'd have to go back to see her filmography, but seeing, what was the one from... La, a couple Brooklyn? years, Brooklyn, and yeah. then what, what else has she had? Even from I the, think like, she was the nominated Lovely for Bones. Atonement. Yeah, this is a completely different. This is like, host, yo, I chill she's with a you. Very, very good actress, and even though she's only yes. twenty three, I believe she's already had a lot of great roles in her uh, short career. That's the so. standout here. The standout mm-hmm. is her, because mm-hmm. it's like any other girl out there, like like you said in Edge of Seventeen, but she takes it to a whole another level, flawlessly. Yeah, and I highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah, I mean, so Greta Gerwig has uh, done some co-writing, I think, on features, and I believe she might have a co-directing credit on Frances Ha, but uh, this, like you said, it's her first solo feature debut. Uh, And, and, you know, a lot of people have, have been saying, like, Saying, talking about her influence on Noah Baumbach's film, so I'm, I'm eager to yeah. see uh, what she does on her own. I, unlike you, have actually enjoyed a lot of her work, mm. uh, so I'm curious that, where this is uh, in the you should love it. You know, spectrum of her career. You it, love I think it. it could be really fun. Yeah, it's really good. Um, so before we get to what you've been watching and not enjoying <laughs> as much, um, I caught up with a movie that I, that you saw not so long ago. Yes, 
The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Let's talk so, uh, about this it. This <laughs> is the new film from Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, he is the director of Dogtooth and more recently The Lobster, mm -hmm. which uh, was one of my favorite comedies of the last few years. I'm pretty sure you were a fan of it as well. I really, Yeah, I do. I like it. Yeah, it really, really clever, uh, clever filmmaker. Uh, this film, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, is a lot more intricately plotted, I would say, yep. uh, than either Dogtooth or uh, Call Me By... Or, <laughs> what am I saying? Call the Me Lobster. By <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, in that it is... You know, first of all, he's a filmmaker who often sort of rides this weird line between comedy and horrific stuff. This it's is the first scary. time I'd say one of his film is a flat-out horror, even though it's very comedic. The it's music got the is. structure of a horror movie. And now it doesn't necessarily have a lot of the jump scares or quite as much gore as a lot of horror movies. But the, the premise behind it, the way that things unfold, is kind of... A, a horrific premise, yeah. right? Yes, thousand percent. Uh, but he does his sort of signature, like affectless dialogue and and emotionless delivery, yes. to the, where it it highlights the absurdity of some interactions, uh, and he gets great performances. Once again, out of Colin Farrell, who seems to be a really good match for his material. Mm -hmm. But uh, Nicole Kidman is great in this. What's the the, the name of the kid who was in Dunkirk? Oh, um, uh, yeah, no, his name's Joel Edgerton Jr. That's what his name is. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> calling really, him. He's he's really good in this he's movie. He's fantastic. Yeah, uh, and th there were a bunch of moments that had me laughing out loud. Um, the the way that the kids deal with their symptoms, let's say, yeah, uh, is is pretty hysterical, but I don't know if it amounted to quite as much as either Dogtooth or The Lobster. Those are two movies where when so. I left the theater, those movies didn't leave my mind. I wanted to talk about them with people. I wanted to talk about the meaning of them with people. The Killing of a Sacred Deer, it was something that I enjoyed for the most part in the moment and not really, don't really have that much yeah. to think about afterwards. But it has it there. There, There is definitely in that third act, I, I would oh, say yeah. the first act is all build up. Yeah. The first it, act it does is unfold really of, slowly. Yeah, it unfolds really, and then when it starts coming, it's just like, oh, it's sort of like the music to the movie that's supposed to start in the second act started playing in the first act. And you're like, but the tone doesn't match. They're just having yeah. conversations in the hallway and it sounds like Jason's about to come out. It's like, <laughs> it's like this, they borrowed the, someone gave the composer the score for Under the Skin and they said, copy this, go crazy with the violin. But right. nothing's happening. Then in the yeah. second thing, things start happening. You're like, oh. Okay, this conversation just happened, and it happens in five or what is it, a minute or whatever he says that I need to cover it up, the certain character, and then you see what is happening, and then the whole third act, parts of the second act, is just what's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? No, like seriously, what's he gonna do? Like, what are we gonna do here? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. Because in, it, go ahead. There's a lot of there's a lot of waiting for. That's what I feel the hurts it the most. I really mm -hmm. do think it gets hurt by the length. And this is his other two movies were the same length as well. Maybe if you pull it up and you can see, I'm a big fan of Dogtooth. Dogtooth yeah. I think is insane. All of it leading up to what I call the the Yorgos climax, which is always that one. You know the climax. It's in all of his mm -hmm. movies. It's the one scene where he lets the audio just peak. Okay, you know mm -hmm. what it was in Dogtooth. It deals with the title in the Lobster. Um, I can't recall it completely, but I know it was one of the scenes when it was out in the woods. Uh, I think I don't want to. Actually, I don't want to spoil the one in the Lobster because it yeah, has yeah, to do yeah. with something. Um, this one, again, very violent in nature, and it happens in a basement. 
Mm-hmm. When this when this person just decides to go straight up insane, um, it has those moments that are dope. It's ins- it's it's crazy. You're just like, what in the world is going on here? Uh, going. Do you like the deadpan type of deliveries that they do? Because I think it gets tired real quick. So, I would say that when there's more of a point to it, it it really works. So and there's I a think, lot of points to it. Well, well, uh, I, I'll say that there's there's not. It's not point less mm-hmm. but when you see it in the lobster it's it's very much satirizing romantic culture courtship culture you know exactly like when you hear you you hear people deliver lines that we would in real life maybe consider flirtatious or and romantic and just hearing them without any of the affect makes it hilarious i don't really get as much of what he's trying to elicit exactly you know dog tooth is very much like about being a child or raising a child kids they don't know anything they're practically robots yeah i didn't get it here yeah it's kind of i don't want to say like i i got tired of it because that would imply i'm not going to go back for more of it but i think it's the same thing as it is with the wes anderson movie where sometimes he just doesn't find the right context to put that affect in mm-hmm. you know so Wes Anderson can be hit or miss sometimes it's like you get a Darjeeling where it's a, it doesn't feel like it's it's hitting as well and then you get uh, fantastic Mr. Fox and it's like oh right this Everything works, works perfectly yeah. Budapest this is what he is meant to do that no I agree with you that's what I think uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer is to me because there's several moments like you said that deadpan makes everything funny but the movie is well over two hours that there's a bunch of other scenes where you're like Oh, I get you have to keep it the deadpan, even though we all know it doesn't fit. Some of you yeah. may be arguing, what do you mean it doesn't fit? I think it fits. I'm going to tell you exactly right where it doesn't fit. These kids are all outsiders who have dealt with other people outside of society, so they wouldn't all speak the same. Let me example, or add to that. There is a song, and it's in the trailer, that is sung by the girl. You know what I'm talking about? She sings yeah, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That song exists in this world... Thus, it kills the whole idea that everyone talks like this because that song yeah. exists in this world. And it, it's, it's a weird, a very jarring prominent moment. song. Oh, it's yeah. funny. It's a, fu- it's a great, but then funny it just, scene. But then it reminded but at me. S- oh, wait. Uh, so there is emotion in this world. Right, right. It's, it's this weird moment where, you know, uh, both Dogtooth and, well, I guess Dogtooth sort of has a remove, but the lobster definitely feels like it is not taking place it's in its our own world. world. Uh, can I pause and you for a second? And this is sort of ca- is caught in between. Do you know what, ca- uh, 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 I, every time that I work on a video for this on my channel, there's always a thing that happens in where uh, I like, I think of something, but I want to make sure that's in line with a director or someone who, right. who made the film. Every single thing from the director, he's like, so what, what were you thinking in mind? Was there any backstory? No, not for this one. No, no, everything. No, no, no. He says the only thing that uh, Colin asked them when, when they came to film was, so are we like in the real world or like the <laughs> fake world? And he's like, no, like real world. He's like, like real, real world? He's like, yeah, okay. Then why is it still just like the world from The Lobster? Yeah. I, I guess that's just how Yorgo sees our real world. It's really, no, and it's... Biggest issue I, is there's cops in this world because uh, police come in and they have to take somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's law enforcement. That's my biggest thing. In Dogtooth, I'm fine with it because the whole world is like that. But if once you show law enforcement, an act cannot happen in the third and final moment of the film and where people would be wondering where this person is, you know what I yeah. mean? There's a, there's a lot of like weird – you have to d- – there's a lot of weird logic you have to buy in a Yorgos Lanthimos film, I feel like. Like, more so than most. Yeah, and I'm sure. Not, uh, and, and for me, like, 
I went. I had a lot of an easier time going with it in Dogtooth and Lobster than I did in Killing of a Sacred Deer. I, I wanted more answers yes. in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, did that keep me from enjoying the movie? No. Did it's it uneasy, keep me yeah. from really wanting to like recommend it and endorse it? Yeah, a little bit. Like I'm not gonna you know, say like everybody should go see this the way that I think pe- people should still go back and watch Lobster and Dogtooth. Those are both excellent, excellent comedies mm-hmm. uh, that have interesting points of view. Not sure I can say the same thing about Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, and, and that third act, when you finally get to the title, just like when you finally get to the title of Dogtooth and, and the title of Lobster, how they play into the movie itself, this one does have that, and it's interesting. It's a crazy scene, don't get me wrong. That scene, as yeah. much as I'm saying it's too long and all these other things, and I don't think his shtick, I'll call it a shtick, not to like really put him down, but you know, yeah, the whole deadpan yeah. thing, uh, wasn't fully exemplified in this movie that scene when we finally get to the title of the movie and it's going round and round Mm -hmm, i'm mm -hmm. not gonna lie i was like what the heck uh can we get this scene over with that scene is a highlight that scene is a highlight of the year the -hmm. performance by joel edgerton jr's i will continue to call him is a highlight of the year it is creepier than will poulter's in detroit all right it's a messed up he's a messed up character I look forward to seeing more of him. I hate him, and I never want to see him like this ever again. <laughs> that is good. Uh, I just I wish it wasn't that long because the ending and the whole idea, the whole connection to the Greek tragedy, you know, because it, that's what he that's the only thing he says he connects it to. It's interesting. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, his name is Barry Keown. I want to say Ke- Keegan, mm-hmm. Keegan, something like that. Um, nah, you gotta change yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like Joel Edgerton Jr. Yeah, it's an interesting movie, I think. Um, but in terms of his three, if you haven't seen the other ones, go watch this one. Maybe you'll end up liking it, but I highly recommend Dog Tooth because that's my personal favorite. Should we talk about The Square? Let's go. Okay, The Square. It is the new movie from Robin Ostlund, the Swedish director. I don't uh, care. He did Force Majeure. A Wait a minute. Ago, which, yeah. Keep going. He did First Majeure a couple of years ago, which a lot of people thought was one of the big Oscar snubs when it didn't get nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. It's one of my favorite films from, I want to say, 2015. Uh, that awkward yes, comedy yes, yes, where yes, yes, yes. Uh, a, a husband runs away from his family as there is an avalanche happening, uh, and they deal with the aftermath of that. This is a similar-ish type of film in that it's trying to mine comedy out of the awkwardness of human interaction and uh, how sometimes we don't want to reveal our true intentions or our true selves to each other. Uh, It is about a guy who is a curator of a museum uh, and sort of the different trials and tribulations that he has at that museum with a journalist, with some of the other artists, with making sure that uh, the street, the sweeper doesn't (laughs) <laughs> to take an exhibit? Clean, yeah. Yeah, actually accidentally clean up an exhibit. Uh, Art, what did you think of The Square? Bro, I'm disappointed to, to hear that this is the follow-up to Force Majeure, a movie I adore. A movie yeah. that I know, like, I that is one of the ones that I have been championing for even after the whole race that it came out. It is one of the most genius um it's a brilliant uh, concept. Outside of the movie, do you remember the video that they posted on YouTube where he yes. reacted to the announcements? It was a director, maybe an actor if not a writer, <laughs> who were reacting to the foreign film thing, right? And they kept like mm-hmm. doing little jabs at Ida. They're like, or Ida, however you pronounce it. They're like, oh, yeah. yes, Ida, of course, of course. And then like they announced all of them, right? I think the last one being Levi- uh, 
I can't remember what other ones came out that year, but yeah. whatever was the last one, and they weren't there, and he starts crying, like this <laughs> insane cry, and he goes to the bathroom, not many people realizing that it's the same exact cry that's in the movie, mm-hmm. and it was just this whole thing that kind of went viral, mm-hmm. which was a genius yeah, like, ploy from them. Di- director reacts horribly to his, his snub, but it's them just sort of playing up on yes. that same awkward human reactionness. That thing. alone was genius, but dude, no, Force Majeure is a movie that I just I like there's so much to talk about. Like the the guy leaving and that being an act of nature, you know, just mm-hmm. going the, the metaphors, the the cinematography, the acting, that final act which I don't know if you and I have ever had a conversation about our idea of who is pretending to be who for the greater good or pretending to yeah. be a victim. To, to be able to help somebody else's role. It is just like I go to this for real life scenarios when I'm talking to somebody about like, I don't know, motherhood. I'm like, yo, there's a great movie that goes with with what you are doing right now. That is that is force majeure. That is not the square to me. <laughs> Yeah, the the Force Majeure is a great movie that I would still recommend. Uh, that has a lot to sort of mine yes. about and you it's know, slow. how we act. But, uh, yes. Yeah, it, it's slow too. But I think a lot of you know foreign mm-hmm. comedies end up being in sort of but, very yes. gingerly paced. But this is what um, we mean when we were comparing it to Sacred Deer. They're both like yeah. practically the same length. One has even less dialogue than the other. But that's what I mean by the execution of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so The Square is uh, two hours, 22 minutes. Too long, yes. It, it, and it definitely feels that length. It, it, I would say that there's maybe like 45 minutes of this movie that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, and the rest of it, I honestly could hey, have done without. I agree with you. Exactly. Because there are scenes in it. I can name them top three. The little kids, I thought when the, when the little kid pops up and he's like the chaos mm-hmm. kid, I thought he was mm-hmm. interesting. Got very tiring really quick, though. The yeah. second one, um, oh, it's escaping me. There was a, a second scene that, that I thought was, was great, but the first one, hands down, is the condom scene. Yeah, the mo- most no of doubt. the stuff between him and Elizabeth Moss is Everything hysterical. with him and Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, there's so much like, it's like comedy, uh, comedy of manners and personality. Like, you don't want to be rude, but you want to like get your point across. and you. It, there's, it's such an awkward interaction where they're, he, he's just trying to walk this tightrope between yeah. being nice and trying to get his way. Uh, I think that is a great moment that feels very true to life. Uh, both the condom scene and the one where there's the, break the, the chair display. They keep yeah. falling, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I do love about his films in general, but particularly this, is that he does this great job of setting up a very tense moment and sometimes having like more than one thing going on uh, at a time to like really just make you uncomfortable That's good. and put yes. you in that tight spot. He's really good um, at that. I'd say I'd say the other place where he does that well is that ending ape scene, which feels like it's from a different movie, but does feel kind of like it's an a- encapsulation of the movie as a whole, where it's like this pretentious art world meets a much more visceral, uh, immediate threat. And, and it's like, how, at what point do you remove yourself, and at what point is this just overline and not something that uh, we can look at and turn into spectacle you know i i don't know i thought i i don't know if i liked all that it amounted to i did really enjoy bits and it stayed in my mind but it 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 really feels its runtime 
You know what I hate about movies like this? They're telling you that they know they're over-pretentious. Like, they... Yeah. I don't mean, like, oh, what he was saying. No, like, he literally... There are two ad guys that talk about being pretentious. The Mm -hmm. art people talk about being pretentious. Like, they literally talk about a subject. It's like, yes, you know, people just... They say a line that really just infuriated me because they were talking about how it's like, yeah, it's it's not really everything that it goes out to be, but we just give it the meaning even though it's really not. That's the pretentious art world. And I'm like, it really ticks me off that that's what this movie is, but because they said it, I'm supposed to give it a pass. I don't think so. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I get, I get, yeah. You can't just like, you can't be bad and then like, oh, we know we're being bad. Like that's, that Sharknado is not a great movie because it's knows it's yeah. Sharknado. Um, I think there is a case that you can like be somewhat pretentious and lampoon pretension, but I do think this is not that case. Uh, it, it's, it's not at all, especially with yeah. your main character. That's another thing that I very much disliked about it. I hated that main guy. I hated that mm. main guy and around him were just people who were worse. His assistant, the, 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 the one who tells them that he wants to like print out the papers and then the last minute he doesn't, I know people like him. I hated his character so much from like a, pr- like he's such an idiot, but not like an idiot, like, oh, do I'm dumb. Sort of like a. There's a, a selfishness in him that makes yeah. him so lazy. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it wasn't sort of like, a, oh, Jar Jar, you're just so annoying. No, this was just like, I hate you on screen because I've dealt with your kind of people in real life. You want to get credit for, for having this brilliant idea, and then you chicken out the last minute. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I hated his character so much. I'll give the movie yeah. that. I know that's what it wanted to make me feel. Congratulations. But guess why we don't like Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> he was supposed to be annoying, and then they kept him throughout the whole movie. That's what this guy does. That's what the other dude does, and it's so obnoxious. They do yeah. just things that are dumb. There's a lot of really well-observed details about human interaction but it's also very frustrating to watch. Very frustrating. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it really redeems itself yeah. or is that enjoyable, especially at its runtime. Yeah. So the I cinematography mean, I think is I'm really a little good. Higher, yeah. Oh yeah. It's a beautiful looking movie, beautiful and that's the case with both both this and Force Majeure. Is mm-hmm. you know he has these a lot of long shots that are really beautifully framed uh, with just stuff in the foreground, stuff in the background. It's a beautiful movie to yes. look at. Music is good, too. Uh, music is very good. Song. They they use, um, actually, I wanted to mention, so they use a Bobby McFerrin song uh, called Improvisacio 1, I want to say. Okay. Uh, I'll try and put a link to it down below. And it just this this weird acapella thing that Bobby McFerrin does, it's so, like, it's fun and kind of jumpy, but it's also a little unsettling and creepy. It's, it's this perfect, perfect yeah. score for the movie uh, in the way that it just puts you in this weird mood and not really sure what's going to come next. Yeah. Uh, but a very human place. No, definitely. So, yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit higher on the movie than you. I don't know if I can go so far as to recommend it, and you seem to be a death. I no cannot recommend it. Um, yeah. To wrap it up, let me just bring up three things that, uh, three specific scenes, just because just I'm curious to get your points on it. It's just random sure. things that happen that really just ticked me off. Um, the third one being a combination of just like, haha, that's in the scene. Isn't that crazy? AKA the crying baby that's just in the board meetings for whatever reason. AKA mm-hmm. the chimpanzee that comes absolutely out of nowhere but doesn't get answered because isn't it cool? It was just like a chimpanzee. If we uh, bash Michael Bay for randomly just having Autobots do random things because his excuse is that it's cool, then it's mm-hmm. also just as dumb for you to do it in a pretentious movie. <laughs> 
Number two. I, I can't argue that. <laughs> number two would be the... Um, oh, it just escaped me. I'll jump to number one. The, the final scene with the whole... With him turning into an ape. Which is what I wanted. That's in the poster. I, okay, here's the thing. Okay. I knew nothing about the movie. I knew nothing yeah. about the movie except that. I thought it was all going to take place in one location. <laughs> I thought, I'm like, yo, this is insane. It's like a murder dinner mystery. Then two hours and a minute happened of this movie. And then that scene finally appears. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is cool. It's interesting. But after putting up with everything else that was that movie, I just remembered what number two was. But everything else that was in that movie, this whole idea of just sitting through something I thought was so idiotic. And there is a point that's there. Don't get me wrong. There's a point that's there. Yeah. But it's so dumb because the moment that a physical altercation happens, it's like you got to do something. Yeah, and well, but I think that is one of the things the movie is really like mining, right? It's it's that where do you step in? Where is does art go over the line? Right. And it's not really something to just look at. It, right. It, and I think that's what's interesting about that scene and this movie, but that both I wish that of was them suffer movie. from going on too long. Exactly. That scene could yeah. have been super interesting, but I just remember where number two was and why that scene, like, it was less about... Um, Really? You guys are going to let this play out this long? As opposed to, man, I can't believe they let it play out that long. That shows a lot about these pretentious people. I think right, what did right. it to me is that the first guy to leave in that scene, I'm forgetting the actor's name, but Dominic, Dominic West. West, right? Okay, yeah. yeah, I knew it was him. Um, when you first get introduced to him and there's a fan in the audience who keeps out yelling things and the excuse is that he has a condition. Right, yeah, he's That scene Tourette's. really ticked me off because I know people who have that and it's sort of like Tourette's causes you to have these outbursts Mm -hmm. that does not mean you say what that man is saying and Mm -hmm. I got what they were getting at it's sort of like the one guy who's like be tolerant be tolerant be tolerant everyone else is like are we supposed to are we in this PC world they were hints in it get why it aggravates me hints in this movie where he's like making fun of people who is just like oh yes 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 a disability we must and the person with the disability is just insulting you and like they're someone they're trying to defend him like no but he has a disability he's like no I don't go yourself like no 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 no. yes that's a there's a lot of why is that say 15 minutes long that's another thing. There's a lot of very weird ways in which media depicts people with handicaps, yes. people with disease. Um, it not, there's both that way in which you kind of punch down at them, and there's both the way where it's like, oh, they're so inspirational just because they like, got a sandwich or something. Yeah, that, that feels very condescending. Uh, so I, I, I can't defend that scene either. Um, I did want to mention, though, because you brought up Dominic West and we talked about Elizabeth Moss, too. I, th- I think it's cool that uh, you get these two well-known... I like that. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think he's American, but stars in America yeah. who speak English, uh, that they show up in the Swedish movie, and it's a multilingual movie. There's lots of parts that are in different languages. I think that's, uh, I think that's really cool. It is cool. It, unfortunately, it's not in the best movie it's out not. there. This is yeah. the definition of when they tell you, be there, be square... Don't be there. Don't be square. At all. <laughs> okay, so we uh, have to move on to yay or nay, where we talk about the latest happenings in the movie news, entertainment news, uh, starting with Star Wars, which is always the big news on any entertainment yes, news spectrum. Sir. Uh, there was a lot of people who were sort of wondering, why didn't Ryan Johnson end up directing Star Wars Episode Nine? You know, he there's been nothing but high praise coming out mm-hmm. for... 
uh, episode eight so far. People seem to really like his vision and his uh, contributions to the universe. Why did they go with J.J. Abrams to take over episode nine? Well, that's because Ryan Johnson's going to be a little bit busy starting his own original Star Wars trilogy. Your boy! Uh, they seem to have been so happy with his work on episode eight that he's going to be starting over with completely new characters, separate from the Skywalker saga, and commanding a all-new trilogy in a galaxy far, far away. I don't know if there's any more information than that regarding uh, Ryan Johnson's movies, but there's also news that we'll be getting a Star Wars live-action show in 2019, a streaming show. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what that's going to be on later, but Art, I just want to know, yay or nay, on Ryan Johnson taking command of an original Star Wars trilogy. Cool. This is before we get into the TV show, right? Yes. All right. We'll save that for our topic of the week. Ryan Johnson. I'm going to go nay. Let me explain to you why. N- n- it's not a negative nay. It's, uh, I'm glad for the guy. People tend to forget why directors get hired. Right. Christopher Nolan doesn't continuously get hired because he makes these incredible movies. He gets hired because he knows how to listen to the studio. Mm-hmm. And use the budget wisely. That's one of the things I was always taught. That when you ever get that opportunity, use your budget wisely. Turn in the movie on time. Learn to work well with other people. And you will get hired again even if your movie bombs or yeah. is not good. That always happens. You see a director and you're like, how are they still making a movie with the same people <laughs> who, who he blew the chance the first time? It's like, But he did it. He used the budget well and he did that well. That's why Christopher Nolan... Is on the same level, some of y'all are going to kill me, as Michael Bay. Michael Bay's Transformers are made on a budget that is used wisely, mm-hmm. knows how to make it back, and he knows how to listen to the studio. You're so, saying they know how to get the job done. What I am saying is that in this case, we have seen what happens to creatives when it comes to Star Wars. They get kicked out. But we have seen what happens to the people who nod their head and say yes. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? No offense to Ryan Johnson whatsoever. He's a smart dude. Jo- Ryan Johnson, however, to me, has never made anything that's blown my mind. Oh, yes, that Fly episode in Breaking Bad. Very fantastic. Looper's a fun movie. Not a Looper fan. Looper's a fun movie. Yeah. It's got a lot of mistakes. Brick's really cool. I, yeah. Yes, I would. I wish I could make Brick's my own really Brick cool. with the way that he made it. It's not a yeah. stain, no whiplash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What I am yeah. saying is that I feel Ryan Johnson is a stand-up dude, and I don't mean to say anything negative about the man. I wish I could work under him if I could. But it's definitely a thing here where out of all the directors they've had, J.J. is definitely one to nod his head and say, of course, whatever you need. And so is Ryan Johnson. And I feel this new trilogy is not Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. <laughs> of course they'll say it's Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. No, it's not. It's the it's the studio's trilogy, and they needed that one person who will listen to everything they say. Am I wrong? I'm, that being said, I'm it could not be good. Say you're, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm, I'm going to say, you know, maybe it's a good thing that they got a capable filmmaker guiding the ship now you know you could have isn't that what i hope creatively capable what a capable partner to rest the rest of your life let me say let me say highly capable then because it's not trevorrow and it's not uh what's his name who got fired after he did the fantastic four Mm -hmm. like this is ryan johnson is a guy who who is a very solid filmmaker who takes a who's done work in different genres brothers bloom included and finds exciting ways to to make them let's fresh hope. in a way yes, not not hope. completely new but he's he's making solid versions of films that we've seen before 
so I think to work in the Star Wars universe, you need a guy who who knows what filmmaking is, who who's very has a big film vocabulary. J.J. Mm -hmm. Abrams is definitely that dude. J.J. Abrams knows movies. He's he's got a he's got a brain that's full of movie knowledge, full of references to go back to. And I feel like Ryan Johnson is comes from the same cloth. Yes. He's cut from the same cloth. Yes. I think he's a good choice for this. Uh, sure. and, and beyond that, I think he's a good choice because he's not Denny Villeneuve or somebody like that who is making more interesting original movies uh, than non-original Okay, than I get what you're saying. I get what movies. you're saying. Yeah, I think this, you know, what you want is a guy like this. You know, that, I don't really need a lot of original material from J.J. Abrams. He's good on stuff like Franchises. this. I think Ryan Johnson's, is, Ryan Johnson's pretty much the okay. same way. It, it's this middle ground of some originality, some franchise elements. Yeah. And I think it'll be cool to see him given a mm -hmm. chance. Because another thing that I think is interesting is that we talked a lot uh, when Disney got the original Star Wars rights about this idea that there, were gonna be, there was going to be a lot of exploring within the Star Wars universe. We're going to get all these offshoots from the Skywalker saga. And what have we got? We got uh, in episode 7, 8, 9 that seems to be very much taking place in following uh, the original trilogy. We have Rogue One, which is in between movies. And we have this upcoming Han Solo story where they fired the guys who were probably going to make that movie distinctive and brought in someone who's going to make it a little bit more traditional. Yeah. I'm excited that Ryan Johnson will hopefully hopefully get a chance to finally get us away New territory, from yeah. the Star Skywalker stuff that we've always known. No, well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Better him than someone like a Denny to be caught up in a contract like this big. I'd rather him do original movies. Hey, that makes sense to me then. Absolutely. All right, so our next story. Uh, Kevin Spacey allegations against him that he's committed sexual assault and pedophilia and stuff like that. Uh, it's been, it's rippled its way through different forms of entertainment. He has had his movie, upcoming movies canceled. He's being replaced on House of Cards. And now we're getting word that Ridley Scott is taking a unique tactic with his upcoming movie, All the Money in the World. Uh, the film <laughs> was originally slated to be the closing night of the AFI Fest, which is happening in a couple weeks, so very, very short notice. But the film is still slated to come out December 22nd, yet they have gone and decided to reshoot several sections of this movie with Christopher Plummer replacing Kevin Spacey's part. Uh, they are going to go into reshoots and bring back Mark Wahlberg, bring back Michelle Williams, who also starred in the film, to basically, you know, figure out a way to weave Christopher Plummer in That's to so the rest dope. of the movie they've made. What's strange about it is that Plummer was the person that Ridley Scott originally wanted for the part, yeah. but the studio actually decided they wanted a bigger celebrity, and that's why Kevin Spacey got cast and put in all sorts of kinds of weird old man makeup, which you can see if you uh, go yeah. back and see the trailers that featured Kevin Spacey. So, uh, Art, I want to ask you two things. One, yay or nay on the idea of replacing uh, Kevin Spacey with Christopher Plummer in this movie. And two, yay or nay on the practice of potentially replacing people before the public even gets a movie uh, in an already completed film. I'll be on both. Let me explain why. First of all, for the studio, this works fantastically well. They wanted a bigger star. They got Kevin Spacey. They have Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey will always be attached to this product. Yeah. You know what gets more people in than Kevin Spacey's star power? Kevin Spacey's Kevin controversy. Scandal. Exactly. Yeah. So now take him out and people are going to be like, yo, how the heck did they... Did, are we going to see like him in the mirror or something? Like, are, is there going to be a frame right. or something? More attention to this movie, the studio won. 
more attention to uh, Ridley Scott and what he wanted to get done, which was to have Christopher Plummer. This whole idea of replacing people last minute, I can never fault anyone for that because that is something I do all the time, waiting until the last <laughs> minute to get something done. To know that big studio films, they're not just getting releases but are finishing up film festivals, are still being mm-hmm. worked on last minute before they get released, right? is such an insane concept to me. That's pretty crazy to me. We're already midway through November here, and that movie is right. going to come out in a month. But it, it brings up another thing that a lot of people have always said. One, um, uh, I, I feel bad for not knowing his name. I really should because I, I look up to the dude. The guy who did Lights Out and Annabelle. Decent horror movies. Uh, that director yeah. started up on, on YouTube making his own stuff, and he said the biggest difference going into uh, big studio films is that it takes forever for something to get done. That's what he said. He's like, it's so easy for me to just go touch a light, but in a studio film, I am not allowed to touch a light. I have to wait yeah. for someone to talk to someone to talk to someone to grab the light. And he practically said, he's like, that's why they take so long to make. So it, what this is telling you, this little story right here, is that, you know what? It actually doesn't take that long. It's actually not that big of a deal to do it because if Ridley Scott, and again, the, the man's a master, but if they can get this done mm-hmm. and the studio's allowing him to, the studio, Ridley Scott can do something <laughs> crazy, but the studio would be the first one to stop him. If they're allowing this to happen, it shows you how quickly a movie can actually be made with all the money and the budget and the people if they're being told, you got to get this done. So, things Yeah, if you really put your force behind it, it seems like things can happen quickly mm-hmm. and Look, they, this is obviously something that uh, studios are eager to uh, react to quickly, so they are getting this done. I mean, the fact that Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams, who are presumably busy with other things, ob- other obligations, are able to come back. And, uh, you know, it's not just getting the guy to replace Spacey. It's getting all the elements around it. Right. they got to get the crew back. they got to get the I, lighting guys and the cinematographers and all that stuff together I think together they play again. an emotional side to it. I think they kind of go like... You have a duty to stop this guy from getting the attention. And now Mark Wahlberg, who is like, well, you know, I feel guilty about showing my prosthetic penis. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's it's more than that, though, because it's, um, it's also like if I'm in this movie and I've dedicated months of my work to it. Yeah. It would suck to not be able to celebrate it. You know, you see Mm -hmm. like. You see other scenarios where people are pulling out from doing press for movies and stuff like that. And that that sucks for that actor who had nothing to do with what Kevin Spacey does. That sucks for these screenwriters who wrote the script. And Ridley Scott, who really wanted to make this movie, you know, it's hard to appreciate the movie uh, with when it's tied up in this whole Kevin Spacey yeah. scandal. But now that it's freed from that, I think it's going to be good to be able to just... Think of the movie on its own, not tie it into some of the other things uh, that are going on around it. I agree. So, uh, in a piece of news suggested to us through Twitter by Mladen, thank you very much for that. Shout out to you, uh, boy. It seems that Sony is preparing a new spinoff from the Spider-Man universe starring the Morbius character. Uh, I don't really know much about this character, but in the comic books, he's a vampire of sorts? Yes. Something like that? Yeah. Uh, and this would be part of Sony's vision to expand the Spider-Man universe as we've seen from their work on developing the Venom movie as well. Art, yay or nay on this planned spinoff? I think it'd be cool. I think uh, to get some cool vampire stuff happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe would be pretty dope. I will be 1000% yay for it if they cast a man who actually thought he was a vampire. I don't know, maybe uh, your boy from the room. If they get Tommy Wiseau <laughs> to play Morbius in this movie, the Marvel Cinematic Universe will have hit its peak. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be pretty hysterical. I don't see that happening, but that Hello, would be pretty Spidey. hysterical. <laughs> Uh, maybe they'll just get James Franco playing Tommy with so. Hey, that to play. too. Why not? Yeah. Morbius. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I want to go nay on this just because I don't okay. know anything about it. But yeah. I, that's not. I don't really have a good reason to either. You just, you know me. I'm not huge yeah. into the uh, Spider-Man stuff or the superhero stuff in general. But making but, it a genre film, vampire. You know, they they say that stuff all the time. Let me see if they actually make a genre film, and then I might be into it. Okay? If it was at Fox, if it was at Fox, they would because they're making that horror movie with the New Mutants. They made a western with with Logan. True. So, true. Yeah, I can true, see what true. you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll say I'm I'm nay sight unseen on it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not out on the project, but I, I can't really get excited about it until I, I see some new names attached True. or see some footage that really gets me uh, hyped on this project. Makes sense. All right, another yay or nay news story. After the, we're doing, <laughs> continuing with all these recent uh, sexual assault allegations and sexual harassment allegations causing fallout in the entertainment industry. We move our attention to Louis C.K., whose recent uh, movie, I yeah. Love You, Daddy, uh, was canceled, essentially, days before it was set to premiere. It, in fact, in the original outline I wrote of this episode, I included I Love You, Daddy, in the new to see. Uh, that's Ooh. how recently this stuff has happened. He, so with the, uh, the allegations that he's confirmed that he had con- conducted sexual misconduct, uh, the Orchard has decided they won't be releasing the new movie I Love You, Daddy. His his relationships with Netflix, FX, HBO have all been severed. Uh, let's talk, not talk about Louis C.K., though. Let's just talk about this movie. Are, are you yay or nay the movie essentially getting buried by Orchard here? You, you, uh, you and I are very well aware that when it comes to a movie, it's not just one person. Yeah. Like, movies are made by hundreds of people who are working together and it sucks that because of one person all these people hard hard work from behind the scenes the people people don't even understand their titles much less their names the mm-hmm. the the actors who have taken out times for this project instead of other ones that could have possibly been bigger projects that they don't get to see this movie and I don't even know how it retur- how it comes out to like returns. Like, who's the one who loses the money? Because I believe the actors have gotten paid. Maybe whatever yeah. points uh, when it comes to that is it the, is it the producers who are going to lose the money? I mean, I think ultimately Orchard probably ends up taking taking the hit. a bite out of this unless they somehow recover some money from Louis over like a contract that he thing, owes them for something else. I'm sure this yeah, is in the contract. I, they they have to they, have they a have, uh, yeah, it has to be legal for them to drop the movie. Like that is obviously in a contract that Louis signed. Yeah. But uh it, there's usually some kind of like a uh, conduct clause in contracts. I, I think there should be a home release. And then you yeah. leave it up because the, the the product was made and I know some people were like no that's like you can't push it and I get the whole idea of this is Louis CK's baby. <laughs> it's got mm-hmm. a creepy name too. I don't know what the movie is about, but um, creepy stuff too. For uh, well, yeah, uh, that is one where I say release it because I believe it, it. It for the people who have worked on it, but I will also say that when it comes to that, that is the one thing. If he is putting his own stuff into the movie, which seeing what he got accused of, which is funny in September he said it was all lies. Now he's saying he's deeply remorseful for it. Yeah. Uh, I remember sketches where he's literally reenacted what he's getting accused of. That's where yeah. it gets 
to the point that's the one point I really crossed the line because it's sort of like okay you made a mistake but in your films you're, you're, you're doing something different I forgiveness sure that's not forgiveness that's you laughing in the face of people saying look what I'm going to make money off of and these victims are going to help me make it because they work that's checked up yeah I mean I'd like to say uh, in, in a different scenario where it's with a slightly different movie that it'd be cool to just put it out there. Yeah. Where the, I, I've seen some people suggest that, oh, uh, do a pay-what-you-want release and donate the funds to help uh, victims of sexual abuse. And a little weird, that all but sounds yeah. Like, yeah, that, that all sounds good, but, you know, the movie is kind of... It would be very weird to put it out in the What is the time. movie it about? Can, what is the movie about? So the, the movie is essentially... Uh, what What's... What I've read, I haven't seen it, but several people have because it did premiere at TIFF and some screeners have gone out for uh, different guilds and stuff okay. before ultimately that process was uh, stopped. But uh, the movie is essentially a recreation of sorts of uh, what people allege of around Woody Allen. Not, not really exactly because Louis C.K. plays a father to a 17-year-old who starts a relationship with a 68-year-old director uh, it, it's, you know, talks it talks about that age gap and stuff like that. And there's also some his character has some jokes about masturbating and stuff in the movie too. So it's just a, it feels like it's hitting a little too close to home to at least put out right now. Maybe if you wanted to wait a few yeah. months. Yeah, I, I think ultimately it's just a case of it not really. Mm-hmm. There's no real tasteful way to go forward with that kind of situation. Nope. Uh, and I don't know what the solution is. It's sort of similar to that case we had with uh, Birth of a Nation yeah, uh, when that, that yeah. came out. Where, no, where I like, like that one. It's, and it's hard. It just becomes hard at a certain point to separate a movie from its creator when its creator is so central so to it. So involved. Louis is the... He's the star, writer, director. It's not like it's all, the, all the money in the world with Kevin Spacey where he's a supporting actor. It, the whole movie is him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we move on to some quick hits on the news with rough cuts. Our Warner Brothers CEO, Kevin Chuhara, apparently made it clear that he wanted, quote, Justice League to be under two hours <laughs> compared to John of Justice's excessive 151-minute runtime. Are, are you yay or nay on studio executives imposing sub-two-hour runtimes on movies? Uh, no. Whether it should or should not be, I mean, it's the director's vision. We, the under-two-hour version would still be the director's vision, so I'd rather it be completely fleshed out. I am one who thinks that the longer uncut version for BVS is better even if you don't like either i'm sure you say one is better than the other and i would hate it for a really really good movie a future godfather type-esque movie to get cut down just because the producer doesn't want it nay yeah i mean i don't think that the runtime should always be dictated by a studio head but i do think that uh in some cases you know a shorter movie would appeal to more people yeah and i get the money. fans are going to want to plays see the more in a theater for- yeah yeah, and we're t- you know we're not talking about an art house movie. We're talking about something that is dealing with are we going to make three hundred million or like eight hundred million? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I get it. I don't want to from a creative standpoint though. I, I can't say yay. I'm going to go nay on it. Uh, Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam character may make his DC extended universe debut in Suicide Squad two. Art would his appearance make you yay, more or interest more or less interested in Suicide two? Yeah. No, at this that point. Was, let me do that. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll do that one more time, sorry. Okay. Art, would his appearance make you more or less interested in Suicide Squad 2? Absolutely. Uh, it, maybe. 
when I, yeah. the Rockamania was going on a couple years ago, when we right. were all excited for Suicide Squad. At this point, no. Nope. Yeah. I mean, it, I think Will Smith and Margot Robbie are, are big enough names that if they can't really get me amped up on Suicide Squad, I'm, that, that's not going to really do yeah. much for me, especially if it's just a, a cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll see that on YouTube whenever somebody illegally uploads it. And finally, Apple is giving the Jen Aniston, Reese Witherspoon drama about a morning TV show a two-season order. Art, yay or nay, this show will get you to check out whatever streaming device Apple is ultimately offering up this new show. Repeat that second part again, because this is a yay for me for, for just a creative reason, but... But will it get you to check out whatever streaming surface Apple is offering? Oh, okay. Um, I'm hoping they just connect it with their music streaming, because they're already right. streaming some videos over there. I think yeah, it might I believe because, yeah, if, you're, if you're signed up for Diddy Apple Doc Music, you can there? get the whole... Uh, carpool karaoke and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping it's from that. Um, yeah. I don't think it's enough, but don't get me wrong. If it's on Apple Music, I, it's definitely going on my watch list because anything with Reach Witherspoon and this new company that she's been doing, to me, that is the definition of like the female empowerment movement. She's not complaining. She is doing, and she is doing some really good stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that Reese has been producing a lot of cool stuff. I'd love to see her work with some more uh, a different slate of writer-directors and not some of the uh, old hat guys that she's brought in. But Mm -hmm. she's been putting out a lot of really great stuff and really great roles for women. So uh, I do think I'm excited to check out this show. Uh, If it is integrated into Apple Music, I think that's a big yay for me. Because, you know, for me... I, I see the benefit of subscribing to a music service, but I don't think there's necessarily enough being offered by Apple in terms of uh, TV and stuff. But it would be knowing smart. what they offer on the music side and knowing you get that TV stuff too, exactly. I mean, it's a pretty it's appealing a lot, pa- package. It's a lot easier to just change Apple Music's name to something else. Yeah. And finally, uh, word came out, I believe, just moments ago that Lord of the Rings will be picked up by Amazon Mm -hmm. for a TV show set before The Fellowship of the Ring. I don't believe it's going to be Hobbit, though. I think it's after Hobbit. I don't don't know. I don't know. So it's a different story. I know we covered this last week, so it'll be a different story. They're going to drop $200 on a multi-season pickup of this show. (laughs) Art, yay or nay on the Amazon show. Yeah, if it's, this is what I said last time. If it yep. was something that's not just a retread, I'd be yay for it, so I'm yay for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i just going to go nay because I've never really been high on any of the Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> I, I hope they make it good. I don't I don't know. Either, I, one does not simply I, not like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> we can get to that on a whole other show. Another show. Uh, but we should move to our topic of the week. This week, it is Disney. Because Disney has faced a couple of interesting dilemmas over the last couple of weeks. Been a busy few weeks over at Disney. Uh, <laughs> there's been the whole situation with uh, Los Angeles Times and various critics boycotting and then reversing the boycotts on uh, their films. There's the whole situation with Fox where they were going to, they were in negotiations to buy the entertainment division of 21st Century yep. Fox, which would be all their movies, all their TV channels, not the network, but all their studios, and and then they could then bring that under the Disney umbrella to, third thing, launch their own streaming service as a competitor to Netflix. There's been a lot of news about this streaming service that Disney is developing. They are considering branching it in with Disney products and uh, the bigger studio products and with ESPN, with Marvel, 
And now there's news that they even want to make sure that it is less expensive to subscribe to than Netflix to really threaten Netflix as competition. Oh. Uh, we mentioned earlier that Star Wars, that live action TV show set to debut in 2019, yeah, it's going to be on this new Disney streaming service. So Art, of all these news stories happening with uh, the Disney Corporation, what do you think is the most interesting? What do you think is the most impactful? What are we going to be talking about for the next couple of years? Streaming, the, the streaming service, because the critic thing can come and go. People will forget it. Some people will bring it up the next time they do something messed up. The yeah. thing with Fox isn't necessarily on the creative level, meaning that the plans were more so for the streaming side of things. So there's there's no big impact mm -hmm. of X-Men versus Avengers, even though I'm still crossing my fingers. The biggest thing is the streaming side of things, because this will really shake it up. I truly believe that this manipulation that they've been able to do to use <laughs> Netflix as a place to throw their stuff on with a five-year deal, wait till the last year so Netflix doesn't really benefit from it, but they get an entire year, excuse me, to see how their products do. I call it, they, they're Pied Pipering Netflix. Pretty much we're just <laughs> there for a little bit. Be able to take any, I don't know, algorithms, what, what, whatever they'd be able to get. Because I'm sure when Netflix was dealing with Disney, they were a little bit more like lenient on Disney saying, we're Disney, we want this. We don't give anyone else that. I said, I'm, we're Disney, we want this. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Even if Netflix didn't give Disney all that information, exactly. Disney's big enough that they could find that information. Yeah, and they're seeing how their shows do, and they've tested out several original shows with Netflix, all of these things. And it's mm -hmm. just insane how they're just going to rip apart Netflix, treat them like the next blockbuster, maybe send them into oblivion. It'd be a slow death, obviously, because Netflix has a lot of things going. But when you pluck out all the TV shows, if mm -hmm. this thing with Fox goes through, that means American Horror Story. That means everything else that's on FX. That means every if they do take out FX, uh, that means all of the Disney stuff, all the Disney series. I don't know how the contract works between them and their Marvel stuff because that is Disney's over Netflix. I would say it's they're they're the ones who own the the intellectual property. Netflix owns the streaming, right? So even if it was not to mention, there's some Marvel properties that would be brought back into the fold. That true, uh, and they wouldn't even, the a ABC, all this stuff from ABC as well. So it's like this streaming service and making it cheaper, doing that movie pass, you know, just unbelievable price that you have to accept. And this whole back catalog that they have is just them flaunting. Do they need it? I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like Netflix yeah. is a streaming service that's trying to become something more. Disney is already at the top, and they're just saying not. This to me isn't how do we get higher. This is how do we kick the people trying to climb the mountain. It's despicable. It's manipulative. It's just overdoing their power. And I can't wait to buy it. Like, I'm so <laughs> excited to buy the streaming service because it sounds insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for the streaming service too. I, I do want to take a second to, to look at that whole potential deal with Fox mm -hmm. because that is a potentially huge deal. We've already seen... Uh, under this uh, administration of Bob Iger, Bob Iger as the CEO of Disney, they've been very aggressive about buying up other companies. They bought Pixar. They bought, um, uh, what is it? They, they bought Marvel. Lucasfilm. Uh, yeah. They bought Lucasfilm. They're making, they're, they're Disney, making Disney into this giant behemoth that gobbles up other corporations, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if they were to buy Fox, I think there's basically six studios that are considered major studios mm -hmm. and they one of them would be buying another that's 
basically saying like if you're a big producer taking a movie out you had six options now you have five uh it it's a potentially big big move and as we see a lot of corporate consolidation of power and stuff like that uh, i do think it's potentially worrisome the idea of are we going to get a get to a future where everything is amazon netflix facebook Maybe. apple and disney you know, uh, I think for a while people thought, I do think it's interesting though with the streaming service, a, a while people were thinking, is there going to be a transition of power from the ABCs, NBCs, CBSs to the Netflixes, HBOs, Amazons, and Disney is basically saying with this, we are going to be part of the next movement. Whatever that is, we are going to be a force in the digital world, in the streaming world. Uh, they, you know, anybody can look at the statistics and see what share of streaming uh, is Netflix streams, a huge, mm -hmm. huge percentage. But that's because there aren't a lot of services that really compete with them in terms of content, in terms of quality, in terms of pe price. And if Disney, Disney's gonna offer up the variety of content that they offer up, the brand name that is so uh, beloved, and offer it up for cheaper than Netflix, that's gonna be, I think, a huge problem for a company yep. like Netflix, which, you know, the way that, oh, I'll Netflix that has become a little bit of a, the way that you say, I'll Google that, it's just become part of a vocabulary. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Disney's streaming service kind of interrupts that. True. They just had to come up with a catchy name because uh, I'll just Netflix that is, is that, that, that's, that's the phrase. I don't know what Disney's would be. I think Disney was talking about it be Disney Plus or something. Oh, that's or, lame. Or maybe that's no. just ESPN Plus. Yeah, I don't like when companies do that. You got to find something new. I'll uh, Mickey that. Yeah. Uh, so I did want to hone in a little bit about this Disney's critics thing. I know you did a video on it. I don't mm -hmm. know if you want how much you want to get into explaining it. The quick overview that I would say is the LA Times put out an article that. Disney was not happy with basically the information being reported on in that article. And as a reaction, they took, they basically banned the LA Times from their critics screenings. It's a, it basically puts LA Times at a disadvantage. They can't get the reviews out mm -hmm. as early. It's weird though, because usually you don't see the business side of reporting affect the entertainment side of reporting. It's a strange. It was weird. Uh, yeah. It's muddying the streams a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's like you so, do something and your brother gets in trouble for it. It's like... It's, well, you're the same family. I guess, uh, yeah. But, uh, but they're... Basically, a bunch of other critics responded. Critics associations and newspapers responded by saying, if Disney won't let the yeah. LA Times into their screenings, we, we won't go to those screenings you. early. Yeah. True Which heroes. is very it's noble. It's noble. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it the websites that were saying, oh, we'll just review them when they come out theatrically. It's quite as noble. Yeah. But, you know, it's still like, a, I think, you know, journalism's only powerful when the media stands together and you need media to stand together in situations like that. Mm -hmm. So Disney reversed their course. But uh, Art, do you feel like this is a big deal or was this just a blip on the radar? Uh, to me, it's a big deal because then that shows you this was on, this was something that we saw. How many times did they do this to other people? The article mm -hmm. that they were writing about was how they manipulate things in Anaheim to be able to have Disneyland running um, right 
Now, it's such a big corporation that something like this is so small, you know what I mean? Like, whatever the mm-hmm. original article was about with Anaheim, it's sort of like, but they also do a lot of good, you know what I mean? It's like there are people who legitimately have jobs because of Disneyland, because of Disney World. Uh, the Florida Project, the, the the movie that's out in theaters right now, one of the biggest mm-hmm. things that Sean Baker said going into it was that he wanted sort of like, uh, uh, I'm going to show that Disneyland's wrong. It's the happiest place on earth, and right outside Disneyland, you have this Florida Project. All of these people who are like living these miserable lives when the happiest place is right there and then you right. realize that it's like this is just a scenario that that really came from 2008 and the housing bubble and that it's not mm-hmm. really disney's fault you know there's always going to be every city has that you know when you go yeah. to the city you have the thriving part and it's around the most thriving part that you have the most disgusting part the most the most poor parts and he's saying he's like we went there and we saw how much disney's actually trying to help the community Mm-hmm. So they do do help, <laughs> do do. But obviously, within that, there's going to be do do as well. There's going to be mistakes that they make. This, I, yeah. I do think it's a mistake. I don't, yeah, I don't I see mean, any way you can overlook it. I can see it being forgotten. But yo, they trumped it. I don't see how Disney people can talk about Trump. This isn't to get political. This is to make a point. Right. How, how you can be like, oh, what a hip, what what a, what a person who's just trying to hide something and just wants to black out whoever else. You just did that. <laughs> they can't come. Yeah. See us. No. This really? is. This is Trumpian behavior. This is fake news. This yeah. is, you know, it's trying to discredit something because it contradicts mm-hmm. your spin or, or your interpretation of things. Uh, you know, you can say what you want uh, about uh, having different opinions or thinking that they should have reported uh, more fairly, but it, it's one article. Mm-hmm. And if it's not true, then there should be ways to, to combat that uh, other than you know, boycotting the entertainment desk from the Los Angeles Times, it seems. And and what also occurred to me is like, this is an article that I would have not even known about had it not blown up into this yeah. whole boycott thing. They kind of made this into a worse Don't situation ironic, for yeah. themselves. Don't read this. Try to close it. And then this whole thing happens. And now everyone... Exactly. So I, I do think it's, uh, it's unfortunately a, a potentially dangerous precedent. Luckily, it's, uh, it seems to have blown over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, you know... Uh, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, I think it gets to an interesting uh, point of discussion in that a lot of what critics rely on is this access to movies. And sometimes we just don't get access to the movies. I know you and I are people who uh, sometimes get these invites sometimes, or sometimes yeah. are able to uh, see movies in advance. But a lot of our coverage depends on when we know we can see this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our, that's our livelihood too. So I think... I think it's worth monitoring who gets access to this kind of stuff. Uh, there were some people complaining when Thor was getting screened that they were only screening it for people who've been friendly to Marvel in the past. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's always worth keeping an eye on these studios and making sure yeah. that they're not just cozying up to the people who like them. True. You know? And this was the best way to do it. Uh, people standing up and showing that, hey, they had to retract their statement. They made Disney retract their statement, so... There's that. Absolutely. With that, we are headed to the new to see where we talk about what's new in theaters, VOD and on demand. Uh, We start off with Justice League, the long awaited Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon hybrid superhero flick. Is it just me or, or is this release date kind of snuck up on us, though? Nah, dude, it's just been a year. Like, I remember it being super far away and it being in November being such a weird... But I'm still, I'm still waiting for Civil War to come out. Like, dude, time just flies. Right. Time yeah. just flies. Star Wars is only going to be I'm, here, too. 
Yeah, Star Wars is just a couple weeks, man. If you, I don't know. 2017 just went by real quick for me. It I, did. I don't know why. It did. Uh, also in theaters this weekend, Wonder, a heartwarming drama with Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. Jacob Tremblay, Owen Wilson, and Mandy Patinkin. Have you caught this one yet or no? No, but I do want to see it. I'm excited That's for it. Cool. Uh, expanding this weekend, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Finally. It'll get into new cities, including Chicago. Art, are you excited? Yes, I am. This is the one this that is... time hasn't gone by fast enough for. Holy. Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite movies of the year. As I mentioned on our last show, you can check that one out. Uh, so we, I'm sure, we'll talk about it more on next week's show once mm-hmm. Art gets a chance to catch up with it. Also, in limited release this weekend, Roman J. Esquire, Roman J. Israel Esquire. Uh, Nightcrawler filmmaker Daniel yeah. Gilroy's second film with this one is starring Colin Farrell, Carmen Ajogo, and Denzel Washington with an afro yeah. trying to get into that best actor race. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this one, Art? Uh, I think the trailers look fine and I th- the yeah. people making it, I don't know why it's getting pooped on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the reviews coming out of, I think it was TIFF, weren't the best, but we loved Nightcrawler. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really, really like Denzel, so I want to check this movie yeah, out. Yeah, I'm just waiting, yeah, waiting to get more reviews and, and seeing how it goes. I'll, I'll be checking it out. So, new to streaming, Shudder, the horror service, on November 16th, is unveiling a new horror comedy called Another Evil. Uh, that one's on Shutter. I haven't heard of it. Amazon on November 17th will debut Landline. It's the latest hey. film from Gillian Robespierre, the obvious child filmmaker. Yeah. This one also stars Jenny Slate, as well as Jay Duplass, John Turturro, and Edie Falco. Uh, Art, have you seen this one yet? No, I missed it at Sundance, but I did want to check it out. Well, what's it coming out yeah. on? November 17th on Amazon. Hey, so, let's go. Uh, if you got that streaming, that prime streaming. Oh, cool. Uh, Netflix on November 17th, they get a few stuff, including Marvel's The Punisher, starring John Berthal. That's going to premiere along with the final season of Longmire. Those are two shows that I know a lot of people watch, Mm -hmm. but I am not one of them. Are you? I'm looking forward to The Punisher. I'm a big John Berthal fan, so for him alone. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the last original Marvel Netflix show we get, right? Uh, I mean, we we might get more seasons of those other shows, but... No more new ones. They've run their course, dude. Like, they're good. Next thing, Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) On November 17th, we're also getting Mudbound. It's a movie that Netflix hopes will crack this year's Oscar race. It premiered at Sundance to rave reviews. Story of what happens to two men who return return home to the South after World War II. One man's white, one man's black, and they face much different circumstances. Art, did you catch this one at Sundance? Yes, I did. Drove an extra hour at Sundance just to catch it at uh, what's it, uh, Redford's Resort out in the middle of nowhere. I liked it. It's a good movie. I, I A lot of people uh, agreed with the same sentiment that it's a little too long and it needed to be cut back on things. There's a lot, because I believe it's based off of a book, so it may work better in the book, seeing the story from different perspectives. When that happens in a movie, it kind of like... You're engrossed in one thing, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they like it cuts attention to focus on something else. But I, th- I thought it was a solid movie, and I see a lot of people are loving it now. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they've edited differently. Yeah, because uh, a lot of people were saying that it just felt a little overlong when it, it was at it was, yeah. I remember re- reading reviews that said that. But usually movies, after they do the festival circuit, will make a couple changes. Yeah, when so the producers pick it up. It'll be interesting once that one's on uh, Netflix. Maybe you can mm-hmm. talk about some of the different changes they've made to that movie. We'll do. Um, also premiering on November 17th, big, big day for Netflix, Jim and Andy, the documentary oh. that chronicles Jim Carrey's transition to embody the character of Andy Kaufman 
in the film Man on the Moon. It's, there was a lot of behind-the-scenes documentary footage that's never been seen before, and a new Jim Carrey interview where he talks about assuming the role. I'm really interested to see this one. Uh, Art, what do you think about it? I don't care for Andy Kaufman whatsoever. I'm not as yeah. well-versed in Andy Kaufman's uh, comedy, and I'm sure that I do like people who are influenced by him, obviously Jim Carrey right. being one of them. Did you see Man on the Moon? No, I have never seen Man on the Moon. So I will uh, watch it because of this. I'll watch Man on the Moon and I'll watch this one and, and try to learn as much of Andy Kaufman as I can. But the thing is, I have seen his sets and I find yeah. him obnoxious. <laughs> I find Which him, is yes. kind of the point of Andy Kaufman. Cool. <laughs> watch Man on the Moon and I think you'll get a much bit better appreciation for okay. uh, at least what the documentary is hopefully mm-hmm. supposed to be about uh, I don't know if you need to like Andy Kaufman to appreciate uh, Jim Carrey's work in the yeah. movie because he's it's one of his best performances okay will do and, and we, we all know Jim Carrey is very interesting to listen to in his current sa- uh, situation yeah so, but does it even uh, matter does any of this even matter <laughs> On HBO Go November 18th, Jon Stewart hosts A Night of Too Many Stars, America Unites for Autism, which should be a delightful event. Also on November 18th, Sesame Street's 48th season premieres with a Thanksgiving special. Uh, And the controversial Chinese-produced Matt Damon film, The Great Wall, will also be available on HBO Go. And for all you Hulu heads out there, November 16th sees the streaming debut of the Ferguson documentary, Whose Streets, which I've heard a lot of good reviews for. Uh, November 19th, you'll get the chance to binge watch the sad clown Zach Galifianakis in the complete second season of the FX show Baskets. Uh, Any of those appeal to you, Art? Absolutely not, but (laughs) I'm still catching up on other Hulu stuff anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. It's a never-ending slog, slog of content. Yes. Uh, new, to, new to VOD on November 14th, The Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature. Art, I know you've there been eager go. to check that one well, out. It's about time more you give inter- that I want to watch. More interestingly, especially for you, Brigsby Bear arrives on VOD. Art, this was one of your favorites of still the year, Still my favorite, right? yeah, still my favorite. Someone called me out the other day. I saw it on a text. They're like, it's your favorite of the year so far. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, I say that. Nah. In, I say that in the video, it is my favorite. I am calling it my favorite movie of the year, so this video gets as many as it does. So people support it in theaters. That was what you do when you like something. You want people to go support it. And I said, if another movie comes in, I will gladly change it. Guess what? <laughs> it has not. Second, <laughs> that movie gave me the exact feeling of all the other movies for the past five years. That when I finished watching Whiplash, when I finished watching whatever my other favorite movies are, Steve Jobs, all, when I, the moment those ended, I knew exactly that that was going to be my favorite movie of the year. I had right. this feeling early on at Sundance when I saw this one, and it still stands. Watch it. I'm very eager to catch up with it. We've been talking about that movie for a little mm-hmm. while. Uh, a couple movies I know I wanted to catch up on as well are out on November 14th, VOD. They're Wind River and Atomic Blonde. I know you liked Wind River. Did a you lot. see Atomic Blonde? Yes, I did. Atomic Blonde is really boring, and it all builds up to this one scene that is honestly fantastic, and it's way too good for the movie. Watch it for that scene alone. You will know what it is. It is really good. Awesome. So uh, that's it for the new to see. Art, what is your pick for the week? My pick for the week is going to be Three Bovoids. Because I have yet to see it. I've been waiting. We've been talking about it week after week on this show. So that is my thing to go watch. But also Lady Bird. If it is out on uh, for you, I know it's only out in the city for us here in Chicago. Yeah. So hopefully you'll be able to catch it, watch it, uh, and then call your mom up and tell her that you love her. Because it's, it's a really good movie. So yeah. I'm very excited to do that with Lady Bird. I will 
uh, give the pick of the week for Landline. I know this mm -hmm. movie wasn't uh, as beloved as Obvious Child, but I really like Gillian Robespierre, and I think Gillian, Jenny Slate's a uh, underrated comedic presence, so I'm excited to check this one out when it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's Hopefully will be a delightful movie. Sounds good. So that's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter at ZShevich or checking out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash multiplex show art. Where you can do people catch more at, from you? You can follow me at the A to Z show on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and in your heart if you rent Brigsby Bear this weekend on VOD. Uh, but yeah, can, tweet art with your reactions to yes, Brigsby Bear. He wants to hear them watch all. It. Other than that, you can also catch me here on the Intercut where we are on uh, the iTunes now. Right? Yes, I believe so. We've submitted, so yeah. uh, search us up. You'll hopefully find us there. If not, we're definitely on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash intercutpod. And always here on YouTube where you can see us. You're not just hearing us. You see us. Yes. We do all, us. all our crazy hand motions things. and stuff. Yes. <laughs> uh, so make sure to check us out on Apple Podcast or on SoundCloud and YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube where you can find new episodes every Tuesday around noon Eastern. Also, like our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages at IntercutPod for updates from both Art and I throughout the week. Yes, Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. And until next time, remember that when you're watching movies, you're using your vision to see someone else's vision with your vision. Amen. <laughs>